Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. To Tennis Talk Canada, it is the big day. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. And before I welcome in Ken and our special guest, Mark Rowe, live from New York, let me tell you, the Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit their Markham Superstore for expert advice. And you can serve a drop shot on your retirement. Let the team at owlmortgage.ca show you how to ace your retirement with expert advice and a copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage for your free copy called Owl Mortgage at 416-633-5363. Ken, uh, an interesting day, certainly historic day, and a fun week, wasn't it? Uh, it's been incredible tennis all week long, and you're right. Did we think once Bianca f- lost in the women's singles that Layla Fernandez would go all the way to the finals? I'm not sure anybody had that on their on their bingo card for the week, but what a story it is, and so excited for the ladies' championship match later on today. It's, it's going to be a, a great match between the two teenagers in the finals of the U.S. Open. It hits at 4, coverage on television on TSN 1 and 4, and live on TSN 1050 as well. Mark Rowe is our tennis host live from New York. Mark, how are you today, sir? I'm great. How are you guys? I'm excited, aren't you? Oh, this is, I mean, I mean, th- this might be the, 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 the ultimate contrast between Bianca and Serena but when you get to this, uh, this final. Two unlikely contestants going for the U.S. Open Women's Singles Final. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? Yeah, it's it's such a contrast to that final. It's a contrast to the men's final where it's number one versus number two. And, you know, you already said it. Who saw this coming? The answer is nobody. And, and even Layla didn't see it coming. Emma didn't see it coming. Emma had to go through qualifying. Two teenagers uh, for the first time since 1999. And you know, I just, um, you know, we had Stacey Allister just on our set, who I know is a, a guest of your show all the time. And we talked about... Two players also with multicultural roots and how important that is for the sport. And, you know, Emma has Romanian and Chinese roots. Layla has a father who was born in Ecuador, a mother who has ties to the Philippines. And this is going out to millions and millions of people around the world. And I, I just found out this morning, actually, that in England, um, it's, it's on Amazon Prime, but it's now available on Channel 4, which is kind of like our CTV or CBC. So everyone can watch it in that country. So it's front page news, and we picked up the New York Times today. Uh, their pictures on the cover of the New York Times, and that's pretty incredible considering it's also the 20th anniversary of 9 11. Um, yeah, it's, mm. it is the talk of the tournament. My question is who, who does the crowd back? Because they've both loved both players. They're the two best stories in the tournament so far. Um, I, I, they'll probably just be cheering for a, for a third set, but um, yeah, it's going to be remarkable to see two teams and and how they handle the moment, because they've handled every moment so well so far. Well, I guess Canada can't lose, because Emma was born in Toronto, correct? So we should be all right. We'll take ownership of that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and she's got Toronto in her Instagram bio. And you know Instagram. That's the, essentially the new gospel in our world. So uh, we'll go with that. <laughs> So we watched Layla weather the storm against Sabalenka. You know, she kind of found her way with that power and the big serve and the big forehand and, and, how, and just how big Sabalenka was hitting it. Do we think that Layla can weather the storm of the aggressiveness of Emma t- today in this uh, women's championship match? At this point, why would you count her out on anything? You know, like not only is she playing well and she is, 
you know, mentally, you know, faced every challenge you possibly could and be, been the mentally stronger player, which may be the most incredible part of this whole run, considering the caliber of players she's gotten through. Uh, but she's she's passed every test. And that's, you know, with all respect to Raducanu, who has, you know, made this almost look easy with all these straight sets wins. And she's now won nine matches here over a span of two and a half weeks. You know, Fernandez is going to give her a different look as a lefty, as someone who can, you know, put different angles on the ball. And, you know, again, Layla's going to have to serve maybe a little bit better than she has at times. Um, but this is this is a young woman who has faced every challenge and been able to persevere and get over it. And even, you know, down three love against Sabalenka, you kind of thought, okay, this, you know, she's got way too much power for, for Layla. This is probably when the road ends. And then you, you, you remind yourself, like, yeah, this is, she keeps doing this. Why are we, why are we counting her out? So I, I'm not in any position to count her out at this point. Yeah, Mark, I think that's the big separator between the two. I mean, for a qualifier, Emma has had a pristine run to the final. And when we think of Leila Annie Fernandez, we constantly are reminded that moment when, when the doubt, like as you're watching, you have doubt. And, and, and as soon as you get to that point, she comes up with that shot that we talked about earlier this week that, that somehow catches a bit of the line and it stuns everybody and starts her comeback. And I mean, she has battled adversity throughout this run. That should be the separator, shouldn't it? Well, if you're asking for someone to be battle-tested, how could you be more battle-tested than Layla is? You know, Osaka, defending champ, and someone we consider the best hardcore player in the world right now. Kerber, who's won this before, and is a lefty. So anytime you're facing a lefty, it's tricky. Svitolina, top five player. Sabalenka, number two player in the world. Yeah, and, you know, is fatigue a factor? Sure, I think it's always a factor at a final because you have to win seven matches to win a Grand Slam or in in Emma's case, 10 matches. So, yeah, I, I, I love the fact that um, she has passed all those tests. I, I don't know if Emma has just had an easier road or she's simply just been playing that much better. But I do think that it is an advantage for the Canadian in this match, given the road that she's had to take. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. So, you know, as Canadians, obviously, most people you talk to here, uh, around the the tennis club scenes and you know even at the corner store I've had people stop and talk to me about it you know they're all picking Layla Annie Fernandez to win but with with down there with the people that you're running into and the media and the fans how do you think people are leaning do you think that they're they're leaning towards the Canadian or do they are they kind of leaning towards that the the young uh, the young Brit that hasn't hasn't lost a set what's uh, what's the word on the street in New York uh, I would say it's probably 55-45 for Fernandez. Um, if, you know, I it certainly, it was funny. When she went into the Sabalenka match, um, you know, I caught up with Chris Everett. I caught up with Pam Shriver, a couple others. And they're all saying Layla's winning, you know. And, and it's simply because, you know, Layla has shown, you know, and again, we keep going back to the mental strength and how she has, you know, been almost a rock out there on while she's also trying to get the crowd going and stuff. So she's showing her personality. Um, and it's not that Emma um, hasn't, hasn't also been that way. But it, again, I think that champions always look at the roads that someone's had to go through. And I think that's why people have sided a little bit more towards Fernandez. But there's also many that are saying Emma's been the more impressive player just because she's won so many of these matches in straight sets and won so many of the sets almost in blowout fashion. Um, and she's maybe rolling with a little more confidence. And, and I can't believe I'm saying this because she went through qualifying, but maybe she's the fresher of the two players. But 
I think at this point, uh, you throw it all out the window, and it's whoever can handle the fact that you are two sets away from winning your first Grand Slam title, and that is going to really decide who wins this. I mean, Mark, you know better than anybody. It's New York. You're there. Uh, and so tennis royalty is on display. You've got the original nine there and, and all the uh, the tennis players from the past that are in the media. And this is a, such an off-the-charts U.S. Open women's singles final, and yet it seems to me on the outside that literally everybody is embracing this. Absolutely. Like, it's, you know, the bit of TV that I've actually watched when I get back to my hotel has been ESPN. And, you know, they're obviously going football crazy with the NFL starting college football. But the, the only other story is Layla does it again. And it's this captivating story that is, it's so easy to win people over with what she's doing and how she's handling the New York crowd. And that is, you know, the uniqueness of this tournament. And especially with this year, everyone coming back, you know, when she's raising her fist and, and you know, it's been called the Canadian Statue of Liberty. And when she's, you know, she's egging them on. It's organic. It, it, she's clearly doing it because she wants to. She's having fun with it. Um, but she's also done a really good job at winning matches, enjoying it, and then resetting. And I think a lot of that comes from her father, Jorge, who has told her, you know, anyone that's texting you that wasn't texting you two weeks ago, ignore them. Uh, I know this is fun. I know that you're meeting Billie Jean King and Steve Nash is in your box. Separate it. Get back to practice. And she was on the practice courts yesterday. And you have to treat this in a way like uh, it's business as usual. And when you win the title, then we'll start celebrating and have a big party. Mark, really appreciate you squeezing us in. I, I know that you you have to be on your set in about five minutes' time with another interview and the fine coverage that TSN is providing. So I really thank you for this and, and enjoy your day. It's going to be great. I, I will. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Have a I'd say have a great show, but I, you guys always have a great show, <laughs> and it only helps that we have a Canadian in another U.S. Open final. We are. As Canadians, we're spoiled, guys. Yes, yes, we are. Thanks a lot, Mark. Enjoy. My pleasure. That's Mark Rowe, live from New York, getting set for the women's singles final at the U.S. Open. Leila Annie Fernandez against Emma Raducanu, and it starts at 4 on TSN 1 and 4 and live here on TSN 1050. Now, Ken, uh, as we go to the break, uh, we've got a couple of minutes here before we have to hit that break, and I should remind everybody, at the bottom of the hour, we are thrilled. Carling Bassett Seguso will stop by and reminisce and, and talk about what she's seeing in the tennis world now and her reaction to literally two Canadians in the final at the U.S. Open and women's singles. Uh, one is Canadian-born. Uh, well, both are Canadian-born. One is Toronto-born and moved to Britain. And uh, Leila Annie Fernandez was born in Montreal. So this is a great storyline. Carling Bassett-Seguso, of course, there in the early 80s to to really crank this story up. But I, where, where I want to go, Ken, is um, we're talking about Orge, the, the father, and the approach here is, is really interesting uh, because it's almost like, I mean, there's that, that raw tennis skill and, and the knowledge of what to do, but it's almost like a, an outside view of how to, to go forward, and it really works. It's not, not a traditional tennis story, is it? No, it's not a traditional tennis story. And, and to be honest, you, you almost have to have a parent that will really kind of, you know, jump in there and be ready to coach, be ready to mentor, be ready to be you know, to push the student without shoving the student. And that's really the key as a tennis parent. You know, I've been involved in this sport for a long time. And as a coach, I've had to pull many parents aside and say, hey, you're pushing too hard. You're shoving your child. You, you've got, they, they have to want it first. And when they want it, you can kind of, you know, push them along a little bit and kind of nudge them in the right direction. But it really has to come from the child. And, 
you know, it's a special parent that can find that perfect blend of being a coach and being a parent. You know, for myself, I was about 14 years old and my, my dad and I, had, I'd lost a match and we were in the car and we were on the way home and he was, you know, giving me the, the gears about what I should have and shouldn't have done. And of course, as a 14 year old, I thought I knew everything and was kind of yelling back at him to, you know, you don't even know anything about tennis. And, you know, we, we found and realized at that point I needed better coaching, more coaching, and that he certainly had his place, but it wasn't to be that on-court coach, so to speak. And, you know, those are the challenge that, challenges that these families go through. You know, you see now with Bianca, both her parents are traveling with her, but they've hired a good team around to really do that coaching. So there are some challenges for all families. But, Jim, before we go to break, I have to tell you that, you know, we had Leila Annie Fernandez family email us at Mayfair Clubs 11 years ago to play in an under-9 tennis tournament. And they sent the most the nicest email to uh, Josh Wiseman here at Mayfair to sign up for it. And then he, he remembers that they were the nicest family. The kids were always smiling. Both Layla and her younger sister, Bianca, came to play in the tournament. The kids were always smiling. They were polite. They were nice. The family was great. And after the event, they wrote an email to say thank you and wanted to know when the next tournament was. So... You know, good families start at young ages, and that certainly seems to be the case with the Fernandez uh, family. Yeah, I mean, you get the impression. I mean, there's obviously hardcore tennis expertise at work here and hardcore tennis skill, but there's a bigger picture uh, in play as well, and that's that's sort of the, the, the full uh, picture of, of a family and, and, and support and, and all that stuff, and, and, and the father, uh, you know, sort of leading the way in, in terms of, of guiding. That, that are, These are all crucial elements, aren't they? Absolutely, and, you know, the beauty for young Canadians now is we have other Canadians that have done so well on tour that you can kind of make a call to Tennis Canada and they can put you in touch with you know Milos or Milos's family to see what he did or Daniel Nestor to see what he did or even Grant Connell back in the day um, so so we have that experience you know for our first players that made it big on tour there was really no Canadians to call on and now for these young Canadian families they can kind of you know take a page out of the people before them uh, their book and you know Layla can look to see what Bianca did to see how Bianca you know put her team together to see what type of endorsements Bianca could do the the interviews and things like that so it, we're, we're really becoming a, a fortunate tennis country in that you know we're able to to bend the ear and 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 lend a helping hand from those that came before you and it's going to make a big difference for these young Canadian superstars as they entrench themselves in the ATP and WTA tour. Well, we've got plenty of time to talk to you before the bottom of the hour. And again, we're thrilled to have Carling Bassett Seguso agree to join us and, you know, talk about uh, some tennis success in the early 80s. That, that's a, a great story. And we look forward to that conversation. If you're over 55, you can access the wealth that is built up in your home with a reverse mortgage. Let owlmortgage.ca show you how with a free copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. Call owlmortgage.ca today for a free copy at 416. 416- 633 LEND 416-633-5363. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. 
This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. It's important to get your financial planning in order. And you know what? I feel totally comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group provides a written plan specifically tailored for you, reflecting your goals and aspirations. It's reviewed regularly and adjusted or updated when needed. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. You can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at foxgroup.com. P-W-M. So, Ken, let's go to the Felix Ogier-Aliassime story. Um, he goes out six four seven five six two, not comfortable, and it just wasn't his time, was it? No, it wasn't. And, you know, people will look at a match like that and they'll say, well, Felix, you know, it's the same old, same old. But, you know, as I said on court this week when I was coaching, that when you're playing against your same skill level, and you double fault or you make a, an error, it doesn't hurt you that much because the person you're playing against doesn't always capitalize on it. But when you play against a skill level a little bit better than yours, somebody that you know makes fewer errors, makes fewer unforced errors, hits more winners, gets one more ball back, those errors that you make are, are just getting bigger and bigger in the eyes of the spectator, in the eyes of, of even of that match. And unfortunately, that's what happens when Felix takes on somebody like Medvedev. He's such a great grinder. He's such a great defender. So you start to make a, a double fault in the game here and there, and they're capitalizing. And that's a point that you can't really afford to lose. And, um, you know, some things that kind of jump off at you from, from the match was Felix had 10 double faults. Medvedev only had four. So it doesn't seem like much, but that's a game and a half. Medvedev had 12 aces. Felix only had four. There's another two games full of aces right there. So, you know, that, that's not great. But I think the one thing that really struck me in the match is that Medvedev went five for five on break points. Every time he had a break point, he capitalized. And, yeah, we don't usually see somebody go five for five, but it just shows you what, what, what a great player Medvedev is and how when it's a big, important point, he takes his game to another gear, another level, and, and is prepared to grind it out and hit as many shots as it takes to break serve. And Felix, unfortunately, was only one for three on break points. And he just he came up short against, you know, the second best player in the world and, and one of the guys, one of maybe two or three guys in the entire tournament that has a shot at beating Djokovic. So it's not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination for Felix Auger-Aliassime. Well, here he is in conversation with our Mark Rowe after it was over. Felix, you played a tough opponent in your first career semifinal at a major. Describe how you were feeling early on in the match in those first few games as you try to settle in. Well, I had a tough start uh, with my serve, but then I ended up you know, being able to win the game. And then, uh, honestly, yeah, in the first few games of the match, I felt good. Uh, I felt like I was hitting my shots well. I was coming in well behind my shots when I needed to. Uh, I felt comfortable. The only thing was that it was almost impossible to return his serve today, so uh, that was really tricky in the first set and throughout the whole match. A lot of people will talk about that second set when you were serving for it. Um, you had played some really good games leading up to that. How much was that on you or Medvedev elevating his game to break you and eventually win that set? A bit of both. A bit of both. I think, uh, well, in that game, uh, you know, I had uh, gifted him a double fault at 30 love. And then uh, from then, I just felt like he really locked in. He locked in. He really made sure to, to make every ball, to make me work. And we played some amazing rallies. Um, you know, I missed that, 
that volley behind my serve, but it was not an easy volley to make. So again, I think I did everything I could in that game, but uh, he was also playing really good. And then after, I just next time try to make a better effort to you know stick in the set mentally, so that it doesn't slip away um, that easily. When you take a look at this season, it's been a, a really strong one for you. Quarterfinal at Wimbledon, your first semifinal here. How proud are you that all this work that you've done has led to these results and you clearly are going in that right direction of trying to get to that first major title? Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I mean, um, it's gratifying for sure. A lot goes into it, a lot of work. And uh, there's times this season where things weren't going my way. But I think I never lost my belief, uh, the trust uh, in the work, the trust in my team. And um, I'm happy that now we're knocking at the door, you know, of, uh, of doing big things. So now it's just to try to keep going, keep knocking. And hopefully uh, we'll lift a big, uh, a big one one day. Yeah, I think uh, we're headed in that direction. Uh, what I like about this story, we've talked about this before, Ken, is, you know, Leila Annie Fernandez in the final today, Felix Ogiali Asim goes out in the semis uh, yesterday, um, and, and we've got two other options named Bianca and, and of course, Denis Shapovalov. I mean, it, it could easily be uh, the, in the next slam, the other two in the same position or, or, or maybe all four. Who knows? Yeah, you're 100% correct. And, you know, i got to tell you, after listening to that, when I grow up, I want to be just like Felix. Because I tell you, the way he handles the media, the way he handles himself both after a win and after a loss is, is really incredible. And, and what, a, what a great role model for young Canadians uh, doing any sport or doing anything because he really is classy. And I guess that's why he won the 2021 U.S. Open Sports Personship Award. So congrats to him on that front. But yeah, and you know, and don't forget, we've got Vashik, who's who certainly has done very well. We have Milos, who'll be coming back uh, hopefully soon from that injury, who's led the charge for these this this group of youngsters. We've got Rebecca Marino, uh, and more great young Canadians coming up through the ranks: Braden Schnur and Liam Draxel and Annabelle Zhu, who is in the uh, qualified for the U.S. Open Juniors. Uh, there's there is tons of young Canadian talent and uh, you know one of the things that's jumped out at me from that Felix interview was he talked about the 30 love and having the double fault and you know that kind of plays into what I said earlier and that you know these small little errors that they might go unnoticed when you're playing somebody close to your level ranked just below you or maybe a spot or two above you but when you're playing the top three four five guys in the world you can't make those errors, and it, I feel that's what cost Felix, because then you, you take a little bit off your next serve, you take a little bit off your next second serve, you're not quite as aggressive, and that's the difference maker when you're playing somebody like Medvedev that's just so good from the baseline. Ken, uh, on the way out here, let's talk about Carling Bassett Seguso. I'm um, just looking at her record. Uh, 1983, WTA's most impressive newcomer. Canadian female athlete of the year in 83 and 85. Uh, won a total of two top-level singles and uh, two top-level doubles titles. And uh, her best slam event was the U.S. Open semifinal in 1984. She was part of the first wave. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I had the luxury of growing up watching Carling play uh, where I'm a couple years older than her but you know she worked so hard and trained so hard and had such great talent you know she she broke onto the scene when when tennis was you know really wasn't spoken of so much in this country and and really around the world and um, you know she she fought her way through as a young Canadian to do exceptional things and yes she trained in Florida but 
you know, her roots were here in Toronto, and she she started the game here in Toronto, and um, you know, she she was uh, an ex exceptional, we'll say, flag carrier of the tennis um, torch for for a lot of young Canadians that were in my era, um, and, and I'm thrilled to have her on the show today because. You know, I saw her play some great matches. I saw her train down at Boletari's. We were down there together at different times together. And I, I know how hard she worked. And, um, you know, she's still involved a little bit with the tennis uh, game down down uh, south of the border. Uh, her husband uh, has a, uh, Robert Seguso has a, um, a tennis academy down there. And, um, you know, it's it, it's just nice to see that, you know, Canadians are still remembering the Canadians and you know she's willing to join us today to talk about uh, the great uh, resurgence we'll call it or or, or whatever the, the phrases we'd like to put on these young Canadians that are playing in uh, on the main stage of uh, tennis or across the world it's a great story and we enjoy every second of it so Carling will join us next this segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management it's important to get your financial planning in order and I feel comfortable and confident and you know I wouldn't say that if I wasn't in recommending Don Fox and his team to you the Fox Group provides a written plan specifically tailored for you reflecting your goals and aspirations it's reviewed regularly and adjusted or updated when needed the planning process begins with you in mind the Fox Group inspiring clients to achieve true wealth you can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. This segment is brought to you by Scoglin Homes. Considering selling your home in the GTA, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglin and maximize your sale price with the Scoglin Homes comprehensive listing plan with luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019, speak to Eric directly, or check out scoglinhomes.com to make the right decision around your largest investment. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you, and very pleased to have with us Carling Bassett Seguso. Carling, welcome. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing we're doing in? great. Thanks for joining us, Carling. I appreciate it, especially on short notice and a, and a text message out of the blue. So thanks for jumping on with us today. Oh, no worries. A pleasure. Pleasure. So the breaking story is Leila Annie Fernandez against Emma Raducanu at 4 o'clock on TSN 1 and 4, TSN 1050 as well. Women's singles, U.S. Open final. That's just a great storyline. Uh, how, how do you feel about th this matchup and, and how they got there? Wow. Well, I have to say this, uh, Layla Fernandez, who I'd never seen play before, um, is just fantastic. And I think, you know, the, both of them, I guess they met each other like five years ago. They, they, they first were playing together. And then, um, I think like a couple years ago that, um, how, how do you say her name? Uh, Radu Yeah. Yeah. Canu, um, had the straight set win, but uh, up, uh, coming into it now, these two are just, like dynamos. I mean, both of them don't have too many weaknesses to their games at all. And um, they're both fighters. And I, I think it's a matchup that we're going to just see some excellent, excellent tennis. But I have to say, I'm, I'm taking Fernandez. I'm taking Layla. I mean, I just think she has, she's got a little bit more variety in her game. And, um, uh, well, of course, I'm a little prefer preferential being Canadian too. Um, although, though, you know, although the other one was born in Canada, also, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be. A, a, I think it's going to be some great tennis. 
So we've talked a little bit today, Carling, about coaching, and you won't remember this, but it was a highlight for me. When we were quite young, you, myself, and a, another guy by the name of Michael Stitt flew down a few yeah. times to Boletary's Academy together. And it, sure. was, it was probably the only time that I actually saw Nick Boletary because you were with me, so he picked us up at the airport, and you trained on his court, and I didn't. But how important was Nick Boletary to your development of your game, and and, you know, what can other kids kind of look for in, in a coach? Well, I mean, Nick, Nick obviously was a, an extremely important factor in the development of, of my career just because he was so disciplined and, um, and the consistency of the repetition every single day. And, and you know, and, and the whole mentality of being in an environment where everybody is winning and, and the belief system is so high. And, you know, that's what I think is so amazing about these two young girls is their, their teams behind them have really expressed that same type of discipline, you know, throughout, you know, their careers coming up to where they're, they're ending up today, which is phenomenal. And I think that shows you how important it is on the developmental side. As we all see, you know, as, as viewing, you know, these top players as, oh, well, they got here and it, it's great, but the hours and hours and hours of, of, of time spent on the court from such a small young age is so vital. But the most important factor is being, you know, is, is, is being in the company of these, of these great trainers and coaches, et cetera. And, and more importantly, the family. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Now, most players, when they get away from the tour, they get away from tennis because, the, as you know, the tour can, can grind it and take it out of you. Have you come back to the game at all now? Are you starting to watch it a little bit more and or play it a little bit more? Well, you know, I recently actually started back up with the game because, you know, I, I do love it. And, I, and I've been watching the Open, um, which has been phenomenal this year. Uh, but get, when you, once you do remove yourself from it, it's it's hard to get back into it when life kind of gets in the way but once you do you really realize the love you know the love that i have for the game um just because it is such a great uh, great game but more so the discipline that goes behind it to have to you know to maintain such a high level i have such such respect for the game of tennis now and and you know all obviously all the players that are playing because you do really give up your whole life for it and in being an individual sport like that it, it just makes you think, wow, I, you know, God, I really did do this. And so now I look at it from a whole different perspective. And I really, really have so much respect for, for the game of tennis in itself. Carling, sadly, we have to go back 37 years. So let's go back to the U.S. Open 1984. You're in the semifinal. Take us through what happened there and, and your memories of it. Well, you know, I had mono. So, um Coming up to it, playing um, Sokova in, in the quarters, and I, you know, my mother and I were just discussing this yesterday. Um, I, you know, I, I honestly believe, you know, I, I, I could still win, but then when I, when I got up to playing Chris Everett, you know, I just, I just didn't have the energy or the strength, and, um, and she just kind of grinded me out in the points, and so I kind of succumbed to the fact that, okay, well. We might not win this, but we're going to go out with a bang because I absolutely love the U.S. Open and the energy from the crowd, and they really do take it to a whole different level, especially when you have an extroverted personality. So there's there's nothing like it. I mean, just to to be in the semis of a tournament like that, I mean, looking at it from now, it's just wow. But at the time, I, I just the moment of it was just 
it was so exceptional. And I, it just is something that I, that's one of the moments that I will never, never forget. Well, and I think most Canadians will never forget it either, Carling, because I remember, I remember being at home with my parents, screaming and yelling at the TV. I never made one mistake that whole match that you played. You know what it's like when you're watching somebody. It's like, how did they miss that shot? Um, I know, but, right? Yeah, it is, it is truly it's incredible. It's like we're all so perfect watching, watching, <laughs> you know, not realizing how much, like, how tight you can get or just like just the, that one missed ball. And so difficult. You want that person to win so badly. Yeah, I can still remember my mother yelling when Borg would miss a forehand. I'm like, Mom, he's the greatest player in the world right now. He's, you know, he's going to make the odd mistake too. So I hear you. Any advice for young Canadians, uh, you know, any or young players of, at all, kind of growing up into the game? We're seeing, you know, we've seen great things from Bianca and Layla and Felix and Dennis. But any advice, kind of on their on their path as they kind of make the journey towards the WTA or ATP tour? Well, you know, I, I, I find like anything in life is baby steps. I mean, especially when you're coming up. I mean, always set a goal and, and, and have somebody that you can like want to achieve to be like or, or set the example of maybe of how they got there and, and, and try to kind of groom your path maybe very similarly because it's such a long, long road and there's going to be so many ups and downs and it's not easy. You know, that's why if you have the love for the game, remember that in, like, the deepest times of despair or whenever you're just saying, oh, I just want to give up, because there's going to be so many times along the way. And the thing with tennis, it's such a phenomenal sport for your whole life and to be around. And so, I mean, just keep, you know, just keep at it. And, but the most important thing is find a coach that you love to be around. And, you know, hopefully the family, you know, supports it and is positive behind it. But you know, keep it in balance, too, because, you know, sometimes when things get out of balance, it can kind of just not be as enjoyable. And then you get to the point where you just give the game up. And, and tennis is such a special point that it, it should never have to get to that point. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's a part of you when you're competing at the level that, that you did. And, and then at some point you walk away and, and live your life. But what, as you walk away from the sport, what do you take with you from it? Well, how, how did it change you? Oh, gosh. You know, I never really thought of it as like that when I walked away from it because, I, we, you know, I kind of was still always around it because then we built the academy out in West Boca and then we trained, you know, top athletes, top players from the get-go. And it wasn't really until we sold it that we walked away from it. Then my three kids, you know, were, so, you know, so involved heavily in it. So it wasn't until we actually recently moved and had these two kids that I've really been removed from it. And... Where what it's done, it's really given. It gives you the discipline in a lot of other areas in your life to be able to kind of push forward when things get a little tough. And then, and you start to realize that when you kind of look around and, and are willing to give up on certain things, and you just have to take that mentality and, and move it forward. And that's what the game of tennis does. Because what people don't realize, not having you know been in the game, it's an individual sport. And to me, it's to me. It's the toughest sport there is, just because there's no breaks, and there's there's nothing to you know, kind of fall back onto when you start losing, other than yourself. So it's it's just a great way of life, and it, it and it takes you forward if, if you want it to. I'm searching my memory, Carling, and I think it was the Prince Woody that you used. Am I correct in that? Yes, I did. I used the Prince Woody. Always the Prince. I always went back to Prince. <laughs> Yeah, with technology changing so quickly and so dramatically now, what do you do? You think that 
you know, when you watch tennis, do you think that they need to slow it down or do you think that technology can just keep taking it faster and faster? I mean, the athletes are getting stronger and quicker, but, mm-hmm. but technology, we're hitting the ball so hard. Do you think that they'll, they'll temper it at all or do you think it'll just continue along the path that it's going? Well, I mean, I think it's like anything in life. I mean, we keep advancing. It's just how long can we keep advancing? You know, it's, it's you know, like you're saying, we're bigger and we're stronger now. And, and to me, the game's unbelievable. I mean, the points that we're getting. And just, it's the same as when I played. It's just bigger and better. Um, so, you know, I can't give you that answer. I mean, like, what is it? Technology going to make it where we can hit the ball, like, before it hits the strings? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, the way things are advancing, like, but... Um, no, I think the game's just moving with the way life is moving. Right. And And it's, it, that's just the way it is. You know, I, we think back to when I played, and we're like, oh, my God, how much more can it go? But then again, like, who knows? Right. And it has been incredible tennis. So I'm going to put you on the spot. You, you've, you've told us as a, as a good, strong Canadian, she remembers her roots, and you're going with Fernandez. How about on the men's side? We've got the world number one and the world number two. Novak, of course, going after so much, and, and Medvedev going for his, his first slam. Uh, do you think Novak will, will uh, Novak. capture it? Yeah, I think so. I just think he's got too many wins behind him. He wants it so badly. And I just think physically that guy is a machine, and he's going he's gonna to come right to the plate. I think in the finals, it's, it's, it's yeah, and I, I hope he does. I mean, it's, it'd be great for tennis. And the guy's a warrior king, you know, whether you like him or not, because it's, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't. But I think he's just amazing, and just to following him from a junior, he, it's, it's well, well-deserved. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think was when we talk about the greatest of all time, we have to try to remove personalities and remove who your favorite is and think about what they've done. And I, I, I have jumped on the Novak uh, train Me of late too. because he's, he's, he's done incredible things, and he looks like a machine out there, doesn't he? Oh, he always has been a machine ever since the juniors because I followed him. But what, you know what I really like what you just said is, He's really, really tried hard in the last year or two with his attitude and just to giving back. And really, he's made changes, you know, off the court and with his personality. You know, he just doesn't maintain that same type of, you know, arrogance and the things that he did. And you've got to have so much respect for that, too. Carling, really appreciate uh, chatting with you. It was great to, and glad to share this with our audience. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Carling Bassett Seguso, and uh, you know Ken, I, I agree with what you said also on, on Djokovic. I mean, I'm not going to have a beer with the guy, and, and you know, I, I just think that uh, we're watching him play tennis, and um, this guy is uh, relentless. Uh, looks like he could go for a, a little jog after each event, and even last night when he was a little tired, he uh, he, he still had a sparkle in his eye, and and uh, was uh, gregarious in his post match. Of course, he won, but this is a guy who uh, just motors on. I mean, this is this is what you expect out of an athlete, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And you know, there was, I had some people texting me last night and they all were texting almost the same thing, saying Joker's in trouble now, Djokovic is in trouble, <laughs> Novak's in trouble here. And, and then in the, you know, at four love in the, in the fifth set, I was texting back, pardon? With a big question mark because yeah. he just, he has that gear, you know, he, he's got that sixth gear, that seventh gear that nobody else seems to have. And, 
uh, you know, Andy Roddick said it best. He takes your legs first, and then he takes your soul. And uh, he's done it time and again. I've never seen somebody lose the first set so much and not be bothered by it. He just sits in his chair and goes, oh, well, i got to win the next three. I, I'll do that, or i got to win three of the next four. And uh, he is, I, I'm happy to be able to watch what he's doing because, as Carling said, it's great for the game of tennis. And uh, I, I agree with her. I think he's going to take home... Uh, the the slam uh tomorrow and be the first since rod laver to do it all right we'll go to break looking to purchase a home in this busy gta market do not get overwhelmed let eric at scoglin homes guide you through the process eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services including virtual showings access to exclusive listings from the top brokerages in the city and a complimentary design consult once you have found your dream home buyer's representation is very important in a hot market so call eric directly at 647-300-7019 or check out scoglinhomes.com to get started and if you're 55 and over and retirement planning is on your horizon you should read home run the reverse mortgage advantage it gives you advice that you will need to make sound decisions about your future call owlmortgage.ca to get your free copy today at 416-633-5363 this is tennis talk canada on tsn 1050 you're listening to tennis talk canada on tsn 1050 here's jim did you know that a reverse mortgage can help fund your retirement? OwlMortgage.ca can help homeowners over 55 find out how their home can work for them. Call Owl Mortgage for advice and a free copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. Here is the number, 416-633-5363. Owl Mortgage will help you with the reverse mortgage. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. Uh, we almost had more Canadian success, women's uh, doubles, and an unfortunate incident, Ken. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, I feel for Stefani, who, who has twisted her knee or, or, or badly injured her knee. I haven't actually heard the, the, the final hospital report. She was wheeled off the court in a uh, wheelchair. Uh, they, had made, they were in the first set tiebreaker at 1-2 or 2-1, and uh, she just went, moved awkwardly. And, you know, as a guy that has suffered some knee injuries, I, I couldn't even watch it. I had to close my eyes because, as anybody knows, once you've hurt, hurt something and you see that same you know some other person hurt the same thing yeah for me anyway i don't i won't i don't want any part of looking at it so really feel bad for the two of them and and certainly for gabby debrowski because they've been just an unbelievable team together so i hope the recovery is quick and i hope that um you know she's she's able to play again at a very high level because i know she'll certainly want to but especially for gabby the canadian um they, they really did make a strong team and had some great success together so i uh, really felt for it. it's it's tough to watch when you see anybody get injured on on their on their playing field and that's what what we witnessed yesterday from uh stefani so in the event we get pressed for time at the end i'm going to just rip this off now Leila annie fernandez against emma radicanu the women's singles u.s open final live on tsn one and four and tsn 1050 right here it all starts at four o'clock let's go back to last night djokovic as you said calm and cool even though he loses the first set and by the end of the night he had broken literally broken zverev hadn't he yeah i, I i've never seen anything like it you know we We've seen the grace of Federer and, and the accuracy of Federer. We've seen the, the bulldozing um, play of, of Nadal, who just goes side to side for as long as it takes. But Novak just seems to have so many ways to, to kind of break down players. And we saw him 
last night against Zverev show such touch around the net and with some drop shots that just really, you know, put a a, a clink in the armor of, of Zverev. And, you know, if, if Zverev is going to watch that video at all from that match, he's got to realize that when he hits those drop shots, he has to sneak forward. He he kept hitting good drop shots, making Djokovic run, and then he'd sit at the baseline, and Djokovic would get there and hit a, a short ball back, and Zverev almost seemed stunned by it. And it's the number one thing you teach somebody. Hit a drop shot, start moving forward, don't overcommit, but look for something short to come back. And for whatever reason, he, he wasn't doing that last night. But, I mean, there was a 53-ball rally in that match that, of course, you know, Djokovic seemed, at the end of it, to not even be out of breath, and Zverev looked like he needed uh, some help from 911. So it's uh, it, he just continues to amaze, that's for sure, Jim. Well, Ken, here we are. We've got one more show to do, and then our season is done. So I'm just going to pump this out over the air. If you are a client, thank you for your support. If you're interested in being a client, uh, personally uh, message uh, Ken or I, and, and we'll help you out. We'll be back to set up the Australian Open in January. One more show, though. Hope you enjoyed this edition of Tennis Talk Canada.